Hey guys, this is Crazy Juicy Love. If you're ready to change your life, your finances, and your love life, hiring a coach will dramatically give you results in any area that's important to you. This is season two of Crazy Juicy Love. Why hiring a coach will change your life. All right, guys, welcome back to the Crazy Juicy Love podcast. I have a real special guest. His name is Maddox, all the way from Texas. How are you doing, Maddox? Well, I'm doing good. I got my cowboy boots on. I know you do. No, I don't. I don't really talk like that. <laughs> for the for the sake of the audience, we'll play with them a little bit. We, all Texans don't uh, wear cowboy hats and talk like that. <laughs> so Maddox is um, a fellow calling in the one coach. I had the privilege of working with him doing my program, and now he's a calling in the one coach. He's also, I was reading on your website, um, you're a law of attraction coach. Uh, I am curious, uh, what does that mean? Like, did you get certified in that? Like, can you tell me a little bit about like, what is the a law of attraction coach? I, I gained my certification uh, the latter part of 2016. It was a year long curriculum and it was nothing short of amazing. But basically what the law of attraction states is that the things that we focus on, the things we hold our thoughts on, the things that we uh, feel in our body uh, have an energy that attracts like to it. Mm -hmm. So if you are feeling good, feeling happy, and you're thinking good thoughts, then that energy draws like energy to it. If you're down in the dumps feeling gray and and uh, you know, got a lot of negative self-talk, then that energy draws energy to it that is like it. And so the law of attraction is basically about learning how to monitor and very carefully select mm-hmm. the things that we fill our mind with. Um, and it's, you know, the, the law of attraction was a big part of the movie, The Secret, that was made such big fame here a few years ago. And I think that we know now we've taken it a little bit further than what they talked about in The Secret. And, you know, but there were a lot of people that thought, wow, I can just sit on my sofa and visualize a new Maserati in my driveway and it'll show up. <laughs> right. It's a lot deeper than just your thought process. You have to bring feelings into it because the feelings are where the real energy is. Mm -hmm. So if you think about something you want to have in your life, a new relationship, you think about that, you visualize that, but you have to take it a step further. And that's during that thought process and that visualization, you come down out of your head into your body and feel the feelings that would be in your body if you already had that in your life whatever that is right and it's the feelings that generate the energy that uh, does the manifesting i'm oversimplifying to some degree it it, it's a process that has a a certain amount of simplicity to it and then there's uh, some subtle nuances that have a little bit of complexity at the same time now, how did you even get into the coaching? I know I have a unique way it sort of found me. So I'm curious, like, how, like I know for more for the audience that you're you own a hair salon. So how did something like coaching even was a thought of like maybe a career for you? Well, some years ago when coaching started to get um, publicity. I remember picking up a magazine and reading an article about it. I mean, at that point, I had never even heard of it. You know, if you heard the word coach, you thought football coach. (laughs) And so I read this article about life coaching and it was this new thing and read the entire article and thought about, you know, my interactions with my clients at the salon. And my reaction after reading the article was, well, heck, I've been doing that for years, you know, and was intrigued by the whole notion of coaching as a profession and and then in 
2005, I went through a really dark period in my life. Um, I was single and had been for about mm, four years, was lonely. Um, I was kind of going through a period of burnout. You know, you experience burnout from time to time and you kind of have to recreate yourself. I was going through a little bit of a burnout in uh, the beauty industry. And as a result, you know, my finances were suffering. So there wasn't, I mean, looking back now, I say, you know, you know, some of that stuff was what we now call first world problems. Um, but at the time, it, it didn't feel that way. It felt like I was, you know, in a shithole. And um, one day I was at the gym, you know, and I'm, I'm like on the machine and I'm, I'm doing my workout. And all of a sudden I realized in the midst of, you know, pumping the iron, I realized that in my mind, I was writing goodbye letters to my loved ones. Really? And I had this, oh shit moment. Like, what are you doing? You're, you're writing goodbye letters to the people you love. And it, it, was, it was like a defining moment in my life. I, I stopped, you know, I stopped pumping iron and I'm sitting there on the machine and this little voice in my head said, Addicts, you either have to change or die. What's it going to be? Wow. And I, I thought, you know, I, I didn't really want to die. So I thought, mm, I guess that means I have to change. But, you know, I, I had already done, wow, probably nearly 20 years of personal growth work. And I was like, mm, you know, it's not like I haven't worked on myself. I've done a lot of personal growth work, read a lot of books, been through seminars, mm -hmm. worked with therapists. And I'm like going, wow, what's, what's next? You know, I'm down and out and I've already done everything I know to do. And, you know, the little voice just said, hang on, just hang on. And about three weeks later, I was scheduled to attend uh, T. Harv Eker's Millionaire Mind mm -hmm. seminar. So it's a weekend thing that he does. Probably was over a thousand people there. It was insane. It was so huge. And during the weekend, they rolled out and introduced a coaching program and invited us to step to the back of the room if we were interested and sign a year-long contract for coaching. Well, I'm, I'm up kind of in the front row of this seminar because I knew I needed help, you know, and there mm -hmm. was this walk to the back and I'm sitting there in my chair and I'm thinking, you can't afford that. You're already having financial issues. You can't afford that. It was a year-long commitment. And the little voice in my head once again said, well, it's not really going to matter if you're dead. <coughs> wow. And I stood up, marched my ass back to that table, and signed on the dotted line. And I really didn't know how I was going to pay for that. It took about... 90 days to be matched with a coach. It wasn't a fat, fast project, a uh, fast process, but finally I got in early 2006, I got matched with a coach and um, it was just beyond remarkable to me about how quickly she was able to guide me through turning my life around. I mean, really turning it around. Suddenly I had projects that I was doing that I was all into. I was going and getting some continuing education, the beauty industry to kind of reinvent myself and get excited about my career again. Um, within about three months after that, I met somebody and got in a relationship. And all of that relationship was not a terribly long-term relationship it turned out to be the most significant relationship I've had to date. Mm. And it was just a life-saving event. Wow. I don't know that I would be sitting here talking to you right now if I hadn't been through that series of events led to work with this coach. 
And as my life turned around and I came to the point where, you know, I was out of the woods, so to speak, I thought, wow, this was the most incredible thing I had ever done. Um, and it made me realize, you know, I want to do this. Mm. And I started studying. I started studying coaching. I started practicing. Um, I, I didn't get terribly serious about it until 2015. But for the last, now I'm into the fourth year of being quite serious about it. It is, um, it is my life's work. Mm. Now, how did you even discover calling in the one um, coaching practice? You know, when you're in an industry, no matter what the industry, but in coaching, you, you know, you seek out resources and mm -hmm. you end up getting on these mailing lists for all these different gurus, coaches, mm -hmm. podcast hosts, you get on all these mailing lists. And um, sometimes I get so many emails from these sources that can't even look at all of them. So they just get deleted, <laughs> deleted, deleted, unless there's a subject line that catches my eye. And I was going through my emails one day last year in the spring, and there was a subject line that caught my eye. Normally I would just delete, but caught my eye, clicked on it, read a little bit, clicked through the video to, uh, I mean, through the, the uh, webpage to a video, and it was an opportunity to sign up for a one hour webinar, and it was this dating coach, and his name escapes me right now, Ken Page, Ken Page of Deeper Dating. And he was interviewing Catherine Woodward Thomas, the author of Calling in the One. And I could hardly get through the hour long webinar. I was so excited. It just, every cell in my entire being was screaming, this is for you, this is I, for you. And I, yes. I, I felt no. the same way when I when I read the when I saw the article because my friend had been pushing me to do investigation about calling the one I didn't even know it was a program, and I was doing research on coaches, and then I saw the article like by mistake, and which there's no mistakes. I, yeah, I, I gonna come say, to find no there's no, no coincidences, mistake. you know. And I was like, hmm, this is interesting. And then as I was reading the website, and I was just like. I got so emotional by every single thing that she was saying. And I was like, oh my God, I think this is what I was meant to do. I felt like I had my whole life that has been like flashed before me. Like this was preparing me for this moment. I was, it, it, it resonated with me so much. Um, I, was, was that the same thing for you when you found out about the course? Oh my gosh, I couldn't get him on the phone fast enough to say, you know, <laughs> what do I got to do to be part of this? And it was, um, you know, I had to work out some kinks. There was definitely some conflicts in what was going on in my life at the time. In fact, I thought the timing was really off. I was like, yeah. wow, when's the next one? And she said, we don't know when the next one is. Mm. And so I worked out my conflicts. And now looking back, you know, I thought the timing was not good. No, the timing was flawless. Right. So I want to go back to your, your company, your business. So I, I saw I was reading some things uh, when I actually went to your YouTube page and I, you talk about um, uh, Inside Job, your post on Inside Job and how um, a lot of our, a lot of people look outside of them and which people don't really realize like looking outside of them for the answer is not really the way to go, but really looking inside them was really what helped them uh, evolve into the person that they need to be. You know, so how do you talk to me about that? This inside job I did. How do you implement that into you your know, coaching? In my own life, I have come to realize that life is an inside job. Yet the right. vast majority of us are out here in the external world. You know. Mm -hmm trying to find everything we're trying to find and it's not out there. It's never out there. It's always in here. You know, we spend our life looking for love and, you know, the old song, looking for love in all the wrong places. Right. 
I spent decades looking for love in the external world and I never found it. I, mm -hmm. I found representations, things that looked and felt for a period of time like love. Looking back, no, not so much. <laughs> you know, when life really changed dramatically was when I went within and I found love within. Right. It, it, I mean, it's, I, I will say that it is my personal belief that, and there's a lot of people that, you know, may think this is hooey and that's fine, but I believe that self-love is the keys to the kingdom or the key to the kingdom. That it opens up every door in the universe that we want to, to open. But right. it's a very misunderstood thing. A lot of people yes. think, well, I love myself. And, you know, there was a time when I thought I loved myself. But, you know, when you really go in and start to look at what's really there, mm. uh, you know, life reflects back to us what's going on inside of us. If you got all kinds of crazy chaos going on out right. here, you got, you know, relationships that are not going too well, friendships, family stuff, it, it, that's a reflection of what's going on in here. Right. You know, I can't help but think about this um, episode on Sex and the City when she's seeing the therapist and she was, you know, Carrie um, was seeing his therapist and, you know, she's like, well, I, I don't know why I can't find love. All these men do X, Y, and Z. Well, she said, and then the therapist was like, well, there is only, there is one common thing that these men all have in common is you. <laughs> it's just like, you're the one who's picking them until you figure out that and how you're causing these men to leave. Then you discover how to keep them because it's you, they're reflecting back to you what you need to work on with yourself. And I never got that until I started doing Calling in the One. And that really, really woke me up. Um, so speaking of Calling in the One, like I'm just curious of like, because I know you've read the book, you know, you've been coached, um, I know part of the Calling in the One program, we have to be coached and coach, you know, each other. So tell me about some things that really woke you up um, by taking on this Calling in the One journey as just like, I, I guess a client or a participant of the work, not a coach, but like your own personal awakening by doing the Calling in One work. You know, I, I was aware before this process that I had um, patterns in my life. I could see already that each of the relationships that I had been in kind of mm -hmm. unfolded the same, you know? Right. It, it was like, why do I keep attracting the same guy over and over and over again? Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't know what to do with that. I, I could see that I could stand in accountability you know, mm -hmm. and know that the source was me because I was the common denominator, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I could see the pattern, how it was playing out again and again and again. And, but I, I didn't have enough knowledge or awareness to figure out exactly what I was doing to do that. Mm -hmm. Right. In fact, a number of years ago, after the last relationship, I was like, okay, I can't do this anymore. You know, I, <laughs> backing out of the whole relationship arena and I'm going to just focus on me and work on me until I figure this out. And it was slow and go, slow and go. You know, I'm not exaggerating when I say a decade passed. <laughs> yeah. And um, it wasn't until I entered into the calling in the one process that I began to get clarity on, you know, uh, on a deeper level of, who, who I was being, how I was showing up in uh, the world that was generating these relationships, that was attracting. I, I got more clear on how the men that I would get involved with were, you know, it's not so hard. I didn't finish that sentence, but it's not so hard to get a coaching client to see how others are reflecting back to them the way they operate in the law in, in in the world but going to the next level 
and seeing how somebody in your life is reflecting back to you your relationship with you. Right. There's there's a certain percentage of people that are aware of that first layer, you know, what, what you what you sow, you reap, what you that's part of the law of attraction. What you put out there comes back to you. But what I find often astonishes clients, and I think this was a big piece for me as I went through calling in the one as a participant, as a client myself, so to speak, was looking at the way people were treating me and having to own and realize that it was reflecting back to me the way I treat myself. That was friggin' painful, I just gotta say. Right, so what specifically, how how was it these relationships, particularly like romantically, what, what were they reflecting back to you that you needed to work on with yourself? Every single man that I've been in a relationship with has been completely emotionally unavailable. Wow. And there was a point a few years ago where I realized, oh shit, it's you that's emotionally unavailable. But what I didn't realize, I thought, okay, I'm as emotionally unavailable as they are. But what I didn't realize is I was emotionally unavailable with myself. Mm. I couldn't even be available to me. And what does that mean? Like, how how are you generating? Like, can you paint me a picture of how you were not emotionally available to yourself? Well, it looks like being attuned to other people's needs more than my own. Mm. It looks like being in a certain amount of denial about the way I treat myself. Denial or just complete lack of awareness. I'm not exactly sure which. You know, now through calling in the one, my awareness has elevated to the degree that I look back and see how insanely critical I've been of myself all of my life. Mm. How hard I've been on myself, how I have set almost impossible standards for myself. And then, because I was setting such high standards for myself, I projected that out onto everybody in my life and tried to hold everybody else to my standards. Well, you know, there's a saying, that a question that we use in, in coaching, and that is, so how's that working for you? Right. Well, it wasn't. <laughs> it totally wasn't. It wasn't working for me on an internal level, and it certainly wasn't working for me in the way that I tried to hold people in my life up to my standards that they never agreed to to begin with. Right. And it's like also you can easily write them off because they didn't meet those standards. They were never going to meet those standards. Exactly. Um, I, I, you know, through this process, as I have learned to become my own friend and my own lover, um, it's changed the way everybody in life relates to me. Mm. I'm talking just in the last six months, there's been a massive shift. I got a cat that I have had for 14 and a half years. And for the first 14 years, I would tell you, we had a love-hate relationship. Mm. In the last six months, the hate has gone from our relationship. <laughs> what do you mean? Like, what, what did the cat start to do? Like, what was the cat before and how is it now? You know, she was responding to me. She was reflecting back to me my relationship with me. In other words, I look back now and realize I had a love-hate relationship with myself. Were there certain aspects of myself that I loved? Yes. Were there other aspects that I didn't and wouldn't love? Yes. And now I see that she reflected that back to me. Once I began to embrace and love all of me, the warts, the moles, the scars, it doesn't matter, you know, whether we're talking literal or metaphorical, mm -hmm. 
it transformed my relationship with her and 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 with everybody in my life. Mm. Like the whole world is responding to me differently now than just six months ago, and it's such a marked difference. I, I mean, I'm I, I look in the mirror and I go, "Who are you?" and "Whose life is this?" because it's changed that dramatically. Wow. I mean, it's, it's such powerful work, and I'm so happy to be a part of it. And I just. You know, particularly men have a hard time really going within. I mean, what is your your take on like why do men have a hard time looking within? And like a lot of men don't know the benefits of like this kind of work will help them in with themselves in their relationship. So, what is it about men that have a hard time looking within? You know, this is speculation on my part because even though I am a man, I can't speak for anybody but myself. I I think that primarily it's the way we socialize men in our culture. And there are other cultures that socialize men in a similar way. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there is a body of evidence now. There's documentaries. There's, there's so much on the market right now about toxic masculinity mm, and about all kinds of ways that men are socialized in this society that send us messages that it's not okay to be in touch with our feelings. It's not okay to share our feelings to talk about those things. It's not okay to, to express our emotions. And this is literally, quite literally, I'm not speaking figuratively, this is killing us. Yeah, it's hurting men a lot. And it's like really prevalent in the world. Like all these men are being you know, up uh, to, to, to the forefront of like, you know, you know, the Me Too movements and all these political uh, parties of like these sort of um, hurt children from the past has been really showing up and they're being accused for it and being attacked for it because a lot of men have a hard time really like connecting it and showing and, they, and we, we sometimes associate associate that with being weak. You know, and I was talking to Jennifer Butler. She was also calling the one and how she was saying, you know, no, it's like, it's the way I feel too. Like, you know, a man who can show both sides is so much more powerful and so much more connected and so much more connected to everyone. And you feel a part of everyone. Um, you know, it's, it's such power when you can identify all the blocks and things that, that's holding us back to love, to be powerful, to connect with our employees. I'm sure you probably see a difference in your, you know, your salon, like how people connect with you and your clients too. Yes, absolutely. You know, when you look at statistics, you find that the vast majority of um, domestic violence or any violence is perpetrated by men. Right. The vast majority of suicide is by men. Right. Uh, the vast majority of homicide is by men. Because um, they have no outlet. They don't talk to each other. We don't relate to each other. We don't share anything with each other. And it's like really all this pent up anxiety, emotions, resentment, all these things are being expressed through violence. Well, because because there's when when you can't in a healthy manner negotiate your feelings and your emotions when it's in what we call shadow Mm. you know shadow is anything that we hide deny or repress it will always i mean always come out sideways Mm. say it again when you hide deny repress wow that is the definition of um the shadow the Mm. darkness And we all have darkness within us. We all have light and dark. But when we are in denial of our darkness, it grows in power. Mm. But darkness can't survive in the light of consciousness. Mm, Right. You know, in that time period back in 2005 that I spoke of earlier when I was contemplating leaving the planet, I was writing goodbye notes to my loved ones. I shared that with somebody in my life 
And the interesting thing that I realized was, you know, studies show that people who commit suicide rarely talk about it. Right. People who talk about it rarely commit suicide. There's a correlation there. When we speak of it, if you're feeling suicidal and you talk to somebody on a hotline, a friend, a family member, the minute you give it a voice and put it out into the world, it dissipates because darkness cannot survive in the light of consciousness. Mm. It dissipates. You know, daddy would say it's like a popcorn fart in a windstorm. <laughs> That's a southern thing for those who have not visited Texas. But there's some truth to that, you know? Wow. And um, I, I'm going to get a, give a plug for anybody that is listening and interested. I'm part of a global organization called the Mankind Project. And you can look that up at mkp.org. And it's an organization that is about creating space for men to get in touch with their feelings and to talk about in safe spaces what's going on with them. It's about learning a deeper level of integrity and becoming better men, better husbands, better fathers, better children, better men in general. But a lot of the work that we do in the Mankind Project is... Um, looking at our shadows and working to bring that darkness into the light of consciousness. Right. I mean, there are a lot of, well, they're starting to become small little groups. As a, a friend of mine, he created a group called the Male Inquiry. And then there's, um, I'm not sure about in Texas, but uh, I'm not, or if you are you familiar with the book called No More Mr. Nice Guy? Um, there's a, heard of that. No. Yeah. It's, it's a really good book. It's, um, it's about men, um, Basically, saying being a nice guy is basically you're deceiving someone. It's like a, a mask that men wear when they say they're nice. They're basically manipulating uh, you, you're, and you don't really get what you want. So it's really debacling all the masks that men wear, and it gives you exercises what you can do for to be a more authentic, more emotional, connected man. And in New York, there's a meetup called the uh, No More Mr. Nice Guy. And so it's a, it's a very it's a short book, but um, there's a, a lot of like small chapters with a lot of exercises and these men get together to really talk about all the darkness, all the mat, the masks that we, we men wear that are keeping us from having healthy love um, with wives, with, you know, gay men or with their children. So it's, it's a little moment, little momentum um, that's happening, but uh, uh, we still have a long way to go as, as men. We do have a long way to go. <laughs> I believe that we are in something now as men that's kind of the equivalent of what women's lib or, or the feminist movement mm -hmm. or women were way behind. But I believe with as much publicity that is happening now, documentaries, books, talk shows, TED Talks, um, and, and the varying different podcasts uh yeah um order of men i think is one there's um man talks is another um we're starting to wake up as as yeah. a population of men we are starting to wake up and realize that if we're going to be happy and healthy we have to do life differently yeah yeah. And once again, I'll go back to our very beginning of our conversation. It's an inside job. Yeah. So things have to change in here before mm -hmm. they change out right. here. What is the quote what Kevin says? When you alter when you alter your relationship with yourself, then the world around you alternates with you accordingly. Yes. Yes. There are many ways to say this. I studied under a man named Luke Tice a number of years ago. He's passed since then. And he always said that any meaningful and lasting change has to happen on the inside first and mm. then work its way outward. Yeah. Wow. And the thing I love about the way he spoke of that is the key words for me were 
meaningful and lasting. Mm. And this explains why something as simple as a diet doesn't work. We look all around us and we see people who diet, they get thin and then they get fat again, and then they get thin and they get fat again. And what's missing there is the meaningful and lasting part. Mm because they're changing things on the external world and they're not changing what's going on that's generating the issue to begin with. Right. That's an example, because that'll apply to anything. Right, right, wow. Yeah, I mean, it's so true. I, I, I know someone who's, you know, going through a lot of extensive, you know, weight loss and surgery, and I'm just like, listen, until you deal with what's going on inside, does it matter? how much weight you lose, how much, you know, surgery you have, you still don't love yourself for who you are right now. Um, and Which means that's a temporary fix. Right, it's a temporary fix. Um, yeah. So going, I want to go back to, like, um, you know, when your experience of having a coach from that first moment when that coach help, helped you in such a tremendous way. Like, what a specific area were you working on? Like, how was life before? And what did that coach do or say that shifted your mind that got you into action around the goal or the situation in your life? You know, this has been um, 13 years ago now, so my memory may not be as keen as it needs to be on what you've asked. But looking back, what my memory says, and this is not as specific, it may be a little bit vague, but I recall that one of the things that she directed me and coached me to do was to stop focusing on what was wrong in my life, what was missing in my life, what I was unhappy about. She coached me to focus on what was working, what I was happy about, what was good in my life and what was worth living. Mm. and that was huge I mean why was that important why was that important Mm -hmm. well for a couple of different reasons you know it's it's like gratitude it's really hard to to be down in the dumps and be unhappy when you are really looking at the things that you're grateful for Mm. Um, it's really hard to be down in the dumps when you start to focus on the people in your life that actually love you. Um, It's back to that law of attraction. You know, you generate that energy. Anybody that's ever sat down and made a gratitude list knows that they got up feeling different than they did before they started making that gratitude. Right. And that is the law of attraction. You fill your your mind. I'm not saying be a Pollyanna. I'm not saying be (laughs) in denial. If you've got something that's going on in your life, you've got a a health condition or you've got um, a toxic relationship in your life that you need to deal with in some way, whether it's set boundaries or, or end the relationship. The law of attraction is, is not about sticking your head in the sand and telling yourself that everything's all beautiful and wonderful. That's not it at all. But there is a point where you do spend more time. You can identify and look at the things that are not working, but you spend more time focused on the things that are working because that energy generates more things that will work like attracts like we've we've heard this in so many ways in our lives birds of a feather flock together right Uh, you know there's just there's so many cliches and and um sayings in our culture that reflect that bring that to light you know, what you put out there comes back to you, the boomerang effect. Right. You hear people say, oh, that's going to come back and bite him on the ass. There's a gazillion ways that the law of attraction is spoken of, and that is, yes, what you put out there comes back to you. So be thinking about what you're putting out there. Mm. 
Wow. Thank you. Um, so I'm, I'm interested in knowing um, what was uh, one of your most rewarding moments with a client? Like how was their life before? And like when they got the thing, the shift in themselves and how is, they, how is their life now? And it just moved you. Probably the most profound experience that I've had with a client is a client I'm currently working with. Um, I've known her for a long time, a number of years, probably over a decade. And over a period of time, I was just observing her light getting dimmer and dimmer. Hmm. Um. And one day I just couldn't stay silent anymore. I was with her and I just said permission to speak freely. And she was like, sure. And I said, I'm concerned about you. I've known you for over a decade and I've just watched your light get dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. And I said, do you know what I'm referring to? And she said, yes. And she had gone to doctors, had every kind of test in the book run, couldn't find anything wrong with her, couldn't offer anything at all. She had been to counselors, really didn't have much offer to offer either. And she said to me, I don't know where to turn. I don't know, I don't know where to turn. She said, nobody seems to understand what I'm experiencing. They just don't, when I talk about it, they just don't get it. And I said, I get it. And I, um, we, I'm sorry. We I was going to say, what, what is the it? I don't know if you can share. She was dying. Mm. She was she was dying, even though doctors couldn't find anything wrong with her. It, it was like, it, it, I mean, I, I don't necessarily see auras, but I'm, I'm an empath and I have a certain psychic ability and, and I was literally feeling the life force gradually leaving her body, leaving her being. And I asked her, will you, um, will you, go on a little journey with me, an imaginary journey. And she said, sure. So I had her close her eyes and I projected her back, you know, in time to 10 years ago and just had her just look at what her life was like 10 years ago and make some middle notes about her life, her health, her well-being, just where she was. And then I brought her forward to five years ago and had her do the same thing. Then I brought her to the current time and had her assess where she was now in her overall health and well-being. And then I projected her into the future five years, same thing. And then 10 years, same thing. And, you know, once again, a lot of people won't get this, but this is not anything I'd ever done before. This is something that just, I, I just channel some of this stuff. Comes from a higher place than me. And after she had visited all five places, I just said, okay, you know, open your eyes now. She did. And I said, now tell me, you know, where were you 10 years ago? And what had changed when you came five years forward? What had changed now in the present moment from five and 10 years ago? She clued me in and told me everything that she experienced and saw. Now I said, you know, that projection out five years and 10 years into the future, if you don't change anything and stay on the same trajectory that you saw in the past 10 years, where will you be in five years? She didn't hesitate. She said, I'll be incapacitated. Mm. And I said, and where will you be in 10 years? And she said, I'll be dead. Wow. She knew that. I knew that. And in that moment, we both had this knowledge that if something didn't change, 
she wouldn't be with us for a whole lot longer. And I said, you know, I'm going to be real honest with you and tell you, I don't particularly have experience with what I think you're going through, but I understand where you are. I understand what you're going through. And I believe I can help you because it's not about me. You know, I just get out of the way and let let all of the energy come mm. from that higher power, whether you believe in God or source or the universe or whatever label you want to put on it. Um, we have been working together now for nine months. And it has been an amazing journey. You know, when we started working, she was in the depths of, of survival mode. And she is no longer surviving. And she is no longer a survivor. You will not hear those words out of her mouth. Mm. She is now thriving. And if you ask, she will tell you she is a thriver. Wow. And with every time I speak to her, I'm watching her light get brighter and brighter and brighter. And what are some of the things she's doing to expand that light? Or what do you have her doing? Probably the most important thing that I'm having her do is learning to love herself. She has given it all away her entire life. It's always been about everybody else's needs and everybody else's wants. She took care of everyone in her life, except for her. Mm. Wow. And, and what happens when you do that, when you're willing to take care of other people to that depth and that degree, you attract energy vampires mm. that will then crowd around you and suck off your energy until you're dead. And that's exactly where she was and that was exactly where she was going. And so she's had to learn how to shield herself. She's had to learn how to set really firm boundaries with people in her life. She's had to learn how to end some toxic relationships and move those toxic people out of her life. This client is, in my opinion, a rock star. Mm. Now, she had a lot of inspiration, a lot of motivation, because it was either figure this out or start to get your affairs in order. And she wasn't ready to get her affairs in order. So she's taken this process extremely seriously. Um, she comes to our sessions with no resistance. She's willing to try and do just almost anything I suggest. Uh, she's read the books that I've recommended. She's a rock star. She's a joy to work with, but it's phenomenal to be able to see somebody in a nine-month nine period of time be able to turn their life around the way she has turned her life around. Um, what inspires you as a coach? I think the thing that inspires me the most is seeing people get what they want in life. Mm. And I don't mean from a material standpoint necessarily, but we all have dreams. And to be able to help a client define what those dreams are and then begin to live from a space. It's never about how are you going to do that? It's always about who do you have to be in life right now to realize that dream that you're visualizing 
three years down the road. Mm. It's never about doing. It is always about being. Now, I'm not saying you don't do. There is action required. But once again, that inside job, we so quickly go into the doingness because that's the way we've been socialized. Take action. Take massive action. You read this on books. You hear this from inspirational people. Take massive action. Well, action is required, but in the world I live in, it starts with who you are first. Who are you you being? What is the beingness? And the beingness generates the doing. And it comes in the form of inspiration rather than just striking out there and doing massive action. It's like if I throw enough crap up on the wall, something will stick. What a waste of time and energy, in my opinion. Yes, I think action's great because we get stuck sometimes that paralysis thing. But there's such a thing that law of attraction teaches us there's something called inspired action. And that inspiration comes from who we're choosing to be and how we're choosing to show up in life right here, right now. Right. In the um, neurolinguistic programming, they have have a formula called be to have. Like, who do you you have to be? Then from that will inform what do you have to do? And then that informs what do you have to have? What will you have? And the result of your be to to have. What is the result that you want? And they're linear. They do come in that order. Yeah. Right. Um, So we're about to wrap up. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. Just let me know what comes to mind. Um, You're going to challenge me, aren't you? uh, I guess so. (laughs) Um, So what does a life of love mean to you? What does a life of love mean to me? Mm -hmm. You know, if I were going to boil it down in a nutshell to one phrase... I would say for me, it is being with someone that truly gets me. Mm. Truly gets me. I have been in multiple serious relationships, four to be exact, with men, and only one of them got me. The other three just would look at me and kind of scratch the side (laughs) of their head. Like, hmm, you know, they didn't get me. And it was the last relationship that actually got me. And it was the most profound thing I've ever experienced in my life to be with somebody that actually got me. It, it, in that moment, set a deal breaker for me. And that is, I will no longer get in a relationship with somebody that doesn't fully get me. Right. Because they kept themselves, therefore they can get you. And um, it's a really beautiful thing. I think, which is a lot of people in a relationship that even are aren't even with people who even get them. They expect them to get them, but they don't at all. Um, yeah. Um, so, how do you, as a coach, get out of your own way? You know, I would say that it is about releasing my ego or my own agenda. Mm-hmm. I have a ritual that I do before every single coaching session. I did the ritual before you and I got on the call for this interview. I just sit quietly. I close my eyes and I breathe a little bit to get calm. And then I connect with source, God, universe, once again, whatever label you want to give it. And I offer myself up as a conduit. Mm. And I specifically say, you know, please do your work through me, in me and for me. And I will do my very best to get out of the way. I'll be the messenger. Mm. Never once in a while I get a little bit distracted and I forget to do that. My coaching sessions don't go as well when I forget to do that. Mm. It's become a very powerful ritual to offer myself up 
and just say, I'm setting my ego aside. I don't know what's best for that client, but I'm, I'm sure you do. Mm. Wow. Um, and what is the secret to coaching that you wish people knew? It's not about setting goals and strategies that's where so many people in our industry go i mean not that you can't do that but the bottom line there has to be a foundation built before you build the house or before you build the launch pad for the rocket there's got to be a platform that that rocket rests on before it can take off and for me that platform is creating the right mindset and that's an inside job. <laughs> the right mindset comes from doing the inner work, doing uh, the self-love work. Um, in the law of attraction, all the training that I received, we were continually told that one hour of inner work is the equivalent of seven hours of external work. Oh, wow. As I experiment with that, I find it to be quite true. When I can, of course, as a society, all we've ever really done is is external work. So it's, you have to really like, okay, wait a minute. It's so easy to get caught up in that because it's just a habit. It's what we saw our parents do. It's what we saw our teachers do. And but, but when I can really stay in that zone and do my inner work before I start to do the outer work, you know, do the the be do and have mm-hmm. before i get to the the do part if i really get with my being get my mindset right everything else flows from that in an amazingly smooth manner mm. and and i'm not saying that i have that fully mastered um I mean, because we're, we're here to be in process. I, you know, I, I kind of laughingly say sometimes, you know, if you had it all down, you'd ascend and sit at the right hand of the father. And I say that kind of ch- tongue in cheek, mm-hmm. but I, I will be learning and growing right down to my last breath. Mm. Well, Cause it's what we're here to do. Yeah. Love, grow and love, L- learn, grow and love. I'm sure your clients are getting such a a loving, endearing, and passion person, and they, and you take care of them um, when you're with them. And that's what I, I get. I, I I love them so intensely; it's not even funny. And I I honor them. Mm. And last question: uh, What does a juicy love life looks like to you? A juicy love life. The juicy love life, of course, would be with that man who completely got me Mm -hmm. and I would completely get him. It's a two-way street. It would include playfulness, a lot of playfulness, um, silliness. It would include um, vulnerability, a pretty high level of vulnerability, (laughs) intimacy, and, and when I say intimacy, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say both physical and non-physical intimacy. You know, when you say the word intimate, people immediately think, you know, sex in the bedroom. And, you know, I'm a Scorpio, please. That's a big part of it. <laughs> but it's also an emotional intimacy. And once again, back to that, that's challenging for men. It's challenging for some women too, but it's probably generally speaking, a little more challenging for men. But yeah, juicy love would be adventure. Mm. You know, it would be trying new things, whether it's restaurants or different vacations to different locales. It it, it can look a lot of different ways. Um, It looks like being really, really open. And finally, where can people find you on social media, your website? Website is coachmaddox.com. Mm-hmm. 
Um, on Facebook, I'm Maddox Maddox. So those of you, you know, that want to make sense of that, Maddox is actually my last name. And it, but it's what I go by. I'm kind of like Prince, Cher. <laughs> one name. I didn't legally change it. I just don't tell anybody my my first name because if I did, I'd have to kill them. <laughs> <laughs> and on um, Instagram, you're Coach Maddox as well. Okay. All right. Well, Maddox, thank you so much for being on the show. And again, I just want to acknowledge you for just the great work that you're doing and just the immense like passion and love that you have for people because people need more men like you in this work really helping change lives and really just um allowing through you as a conduit to get a lot seeing what's in the way of them having a life that they want and that is just so beautiful and i just i'm so honored to have you on the show and and in life and thank you for being thank here you. Hey guys, so don't forget to subscribe on Instagram at Jimmy Allen and Twitter, simply Jimmy. And don't forget to rate, rate, subscribe, comment, and share this podcast if you enjoyed it. Thank you guys for joining me. This is Jimmy Allen with Crazy Juicy Love.